thank you. Well, uh, it's been so good to be here. I felt right at home and thankful for the warm uh, reception that we've had. And thank you for praying for the men's uh, Amen Conference. And it was such a blessing to get to fellowship with the men. And I'm glad for what God's doing in the lives of men across America and in this area. And I uh, sure love your pastor and love his family. And, and they've been very dear to us and this church has. And we were talking this morning during, during the Sunday school hour just how many have come to Oklahoma City. And so that's a real blessing. We're thankful, of course, for that relationship. And, and I'm glad that God speaks to our hearts through His Word. Yes. So I'm looking forward to getting into the Bible here this morning. So let me ask you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn, if you would please, to Genesis chapter number 25. Genesis and chapter number 25. And uh, we're going to look at 25, but our main text is going to be chapter 27. So, uh, but chapter 25 is going to help us to have a little bit of background and understand the significance of what chapter 27 is conveying. So let me encourage you, if you're a guest here, come back and hear the pastor preach. Would you do that? And, and be blessed that way. Always uh, somebody comes, makes an effort to bring their friend, and I always like for them to hear the pastor. And, and so I encourage you to come back again as well. So, all right, Genesis 25. Let's stand in honor of God's word as we get to it here uh, this morning. Genesis chapter number 25. And we'll pick up the reading in verse number 19, if you would. Genesis 25 and verse number 19. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. And Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Pandanaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. Aren't you glad God hears and answers prayer? And so it says here that Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Verse 22 says, And the children struggled together within her. Now, look, you know you're going to have trouble in parenting if they're fighting before they're ever born. It's going to be a rough one. All right, so here they have twins. And she said, If it be so, why... Am I thus? And, the, and she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manners of, manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other. And notice this part. And the elder shall serve the younger. That's what God said. The elder shall serve the younger. Usually it was the elder that would be the leader, but here God says the elder is going to serve the younger. You know, God often does things that I don't understand. Works in ways we can't comprehend, but He's God. In fact, one of the major lessons in life is there's only one God and you're not Him. Amen. That right there will help you. Amen. So just go ahead and resign as the CEO of the universe and see how things work out there, all right? So anyways, all right, so the elder shall serve the younger. All right, watch this, verse 24. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all over like a hairy garment. <laughs> Can you imagine that baby picture right there? So they called him Esau, because Esau means red. All right, Esau means red. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's hill, and his name was called Jacob, which actually means 
hill grabber. They said, oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? Grabbing his hill. It's a good name. It means one who comes behind to protect, to watch over. But it also can mean here a supplanter. Eventually it will. So he says his name shall be called the hill grabber. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. All right, so we got a daddy's, daddy's man and a mama's boy. Is that right? Daddy's man, mama's boy. Okay? And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. All right, you see it right there, right? It's just right there. Okay, how about we go to chapter 27, just right quick, while you're still standing. Mindful of the fact that you're standing, won't keep you that way long. Chapter 27, verse 1, it came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son, and said, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old, and I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me some savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, and that my soul may bless thee before I die. Anybody see a problem with that? Based on what God said? There's a major problem right there. Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, what does it say? Her son. All right. To Jacob her son, behold, I hear, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me some venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless Thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. And then she gives him the instructions and the master plan that she had to deceive her husband into blessing her boy, the hill grabber. All right. Everybody still following along there? All right. One more verse. Chapter 20. I'm, I'm jumping way ahead here. Chapter 28, verse 14. All right. So I'll. Try to catch us up to this as we get into the preaching. So this is God speaking to Jacob in verse number 14. And he says, Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be what? Blessed. In thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The reason we're here this morning is because God fulfilled his promise right there. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are truly blessed. So this morning I'd like to preach with God's help a message I'm going to entitle this, A Family Out of Tune with God's Will. A Family Out of Tune with God's Will. Well, let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to pray that you'd help us here today. I pray earnestly that, God, you'd speak to hearts. Lord, I want to thank you for what you've already done in this weekend. And, and yet, Lord, we're here, and, and Lord, you've, 
We've got these few moments together, and we certainly want to allow you to speak to our hearts. So I pray that you would once again bless and honor your word, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Appreciate you standing and doing a little bit of background reading there here this morning. <clears throat> I sure love to hear a good trio like we heard just a moment ago, ladies. Appreciate the song and love to hear a good quartet uh, like men like we heard with the Amen Quartet. When it all just comes together, it's awesome. It's awesome. I, uh, my mom has played piano back in my hometown of Bowling Green, Kentucky for, uh, well, I don't know, close to 35 years, 40 years maybe, somewhere right in there. And so music has been a part of my life, and, and though I haven't made a major contribution, they're in. <laughs> my family sings, uh, minus me, and uh, there's good reason for that. So I, there's a lot of good things that could come out of music, but I've also learned this along the way. There are many things that can go wrong in a song. Isn't that right? I mean, you can come in on the wrong note. You can uh, sing the wrong words. I've actually rewritten a lot of songs, you know. You can add notes. You can add words. You can come in too early. Have you ever done that? Like, uh, you're the only one singing, and you're not supposed to be the one singing, you know, but you came in too early, and so I've done that, and that's embarrassing. You can come in too strong, maybe too loud and, and too strong. So there's a lot that can go wrong in a song. I'd say this, that if, if Genesis chapter 27 were to be likened to a quartet, maybe a, a family quartet, you know, mama sang bass, no, hang on, daddy sang bass and mama sang center, and me and little brother just joined right in there, right, you know, but if, if Genesis 27 were maybe the Isaac family singers, what do you think? The Isaac family singers, then everybody's off. Everybody's off. Sometimes are in this situation. Some were coming in too early. Some came in too, raw, too strong. Uh, some were rewriting the words to the song. The Isaac family singers, they were out of tune. Um, I find this to be true in life. Sometimes we try to write our own music. God's got his will for our lives, and yet we try to write our own music. Sometimes we try to get ahead of God, add a few notes. Sometimes we come in too strong. Sometimes we think we're right and everybody else is wrong. <laughs> Heard about a man that was traveling home to, uh, to, uh, to drive home on the interstate, and, and his wife called him on the phone and said, Hun, be careful when you're driving home today. There's a man that's going the wrong way on the interstate. He said, Honey, listen, it's not just one man. There's a bunch of them going the wrong way. On the interstate, you know. Some of you will get that maybe later, but anyways. Uh, if our lives are going to be in a place where God can bless and use. It, because, listen, God wants to bless you, and God wants to use you. That, that's God's plan, and God wants to bless you, and God wants to use you. But if God is going to bless you, and if God is going to use you, then he must tune you. He's got to tune you. I'm saying to you that, that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you that way. 
And I'm thankful that God does that. I'm thankful that God loves me. I'm thankful that God loves you here, friend. Listen, he does. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you that way. And when you, are, when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then that begins a process of biblical change in your life. Because God wants to bless you, and God wants to use you, but to be able to bless you, and to be able to use you, he's got to tune you. And our lives are prone to be out of tune. Is that right? I'm prone to be out of tune. In fact, I think I'm more like a guitar than I am like a piano. You know, because a piano will hold a tune for a long time. I mean, it's got to be tuned uh, along the way, isn't that right? But a guitar, now I, I don't play a guitar, but, but I understand this. I see the guys, every time they pick it up, it seems like to me, they're always tuning it. Isn't that right? Because it gets out of tune. It's got to be tuned in order to play right. Hey, listen, your life, my life, the life of every church, life of every family, is much more like a guitar than it is like a piano. We need daily to be tuned. Daily to be tuned. Which, which means this then, there's got to be a standard of tuning. There's got to be a standard. There's... There's got to be something to go by. In other words, if you have two pianos and both of them are out of tune, and you try to tune one piano by another piano that's out of tune, then now you've got two pianos that are more out of tune. How are we doing? Is this making sense? So you've got to have a tuner. I mean, that's a literal musical device called a tuner. In fact, Miss uh, Jenny Lee, your dad tuned pianos, right? Am I remember that? I remember standing at a certain restaurant there in Lubbock, and he was telling me about tuning pianos at, at Texas Tech and, and other places, if I'm not mistaken. And, and so he knew what he was talking about. I don't. <laughs> but what he, what he explained to me made real good sense. He said that if you're going to get a piano in tune, you've got to have a perfect standard by which to measure it so that then... So that then by that standard, now that piano, you can see where it's out of tune so that then you can get it in tune. Hmm. That'll preach. That'll preach. Now, nowadays, there's devices maybe on your, on your uh, iPad or iPhone or whatever device it is that's like a tuner, a tuning app that registers what, you know, note you're singing and etc. So I thought about this, Brother Pray. What if we designated somebody that had that tuning app that went around in, during the service? It said, uh-oh, right here. Right here, out of tune. Come over here. Oh, right, right over in here. Oh, out of tune right here. Huh? Boy, what would that That'd make you feel a little bit nervous, wouldn't it? Right? Listen, church, uh, God has a perfect measurement to tune our lives. God, God's word preserved for us. Listen, it, it, is, it is perfect in every way. Perfect in every way. And in, in, fact, in fact, God's word um, is rather confrontational. And, and sometimes as, as somebody that's grown up in church and the preacher would get to preaching and, and maybe you're here for the first time. I don't, I don't know everybody. I don't know who's here regularly and who's not. But you may come in here today and, and you're going to or you come in here some other Sunday or back sometime back. You may have said something like this. Man, who told preacher about my life? You ever felt that way? Like this week, was he like spying on me? What's going on, you know? But here's what it is. It's just God's word. It's sharp and it's quick and it's, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And, and it'll come near to where your life is and it's going to show you where your life is out of tune. 
It'll show you, doesn't it, where your attitude is out of tune. It'll show you where your marriage is out of tune. Am I right about that? It'll show you where your life as a young person growing up in a home is maybe out of tune. It'll show you where your life as a member is out of tune. I'm telling you, the Word of God, it doesn't budge. It shows us where our lives are. It shows us who we really are. And sometimes when I look into the mirror of God's Word, I don't like what I see, but I need to see what God shows me. And God loves me, and God loves you, and, and He wants to bless you, and he wants to, he wants to use you. But to do that, He's got to tune your life. I, I believe you're in a critical year of your, of your church's existence here as you're making a transition come this August. Listen, if I could just speak very candidly with you, I'm very excited for you as a church family. And, and at the same time, it's rather a nervous, a nervous deal. Went through this 10 years ago as, as Brother Sam and I transitioned, and, and, and it really is. And so this is a great time for everyone in the church to just evaluate your life and to see, is my life, it is my heart and my attitude, is it in tune with God's will, friend? Because, listen, that's so very vitally important to church's life. It's important to a family's life. The reason that we had the men's, the Amen conference is because, because men need their lives to be confronted with the Word of God. And God confronted us, didn't He, men? And, and he, he confronted us and showed us where we're out of tune with God's will as a man. And every now and then it got a little bit uncomfortable up in here. God confronted us, but we needed it. Transitions going on from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. God had a perfect will. God communicated that. And the blessings, because God brought Abraham, Abram at the time, out of idolatry and said, I'm going to bless you, and those that bless you, I'll bless, and those that curse you, I'll curse. And, and God says, I'm going to make of you a, a seed as the sand that's on the seashore and as the, as the stars that are in the heaven. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to greatly bless Abraham. But didn't God have to tune Abraham's life? Get him into place. I, I keep doing this because, and you might be wondering, what are you talking about? I, I'm just trying to s symbolize here just a little bit that, there, that there's a line of blessing. There's, I, and, and like uh, Brother Larry Brown said, he uh, uh, at the time was pastoring in Iowa, but he came and preached at, at Heartland. He said, I want to be under the spout where the blessings come out. I want to be under the spout where the blessings come out. I want to be in a place where God can use. I want to be in a place that God can bless. God worked in Abraham's life to get him there, and God worked in Isaac's life to get him there. But now God's going to do that. He has to do that same exact work in another generation. And God says, I want to bless Jacob. I know that's not conventional. I know that's not the way that things normally work in society. It's usually the firstborn, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with the secondborn. I'm going to go with, with Jacob there, and I want to bless him. And listen, Isaac knew what God's will was. And, and folks, listen today, we get in trouble when we put to question what God has already settled. It's already made up. You're not going to alter God's mind. Isaac got sick. He wasn't feeling well. He's older. He thinks he's going to die. Most men, when they get sick, think they're going to die. If mama gets sick, generally she just has to keep going right on. Isn't that the truth? God bless all wives and mamas here today. You are so much tougher than we are when it comes to sickness. Man, am I telling the truth? Come on, I'm not alone in this. You know it's true. 
a few years ago, I got the flu, you know, and, and, uh, and man, I thought, <laughs> this is great to talk about this today, right? I, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I was on the bed praying. I was, and in fact, I was praying like Psalm 13. Oh, God, how long, oh, Lord, how long? You know, I mean, I thought I was going to die. And then another time I had, you know, a kidney stone. And man, that's miserable. I mean, honestly, if you've ever had a kidney stone, then you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's just, it's just terrible. I, I, I wouldn't recommend them. I mean, it's just terrible. And I mean, it put me on my knees. I was hurt with pain so bad. I was on my knees and, and just in pain. And, and so then Tyler, he was about maybe uh, six or so, and, and he was on his knees and, 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 and acting, you know, like he's in pain. And I said, but what's wrong with you? He said, I got a kidney stone, you know, and just kind of pulling my leg and messing with me, you know. But most men, when they get sick, think they're going to die. And Isaac thought he was going to die. But actually, when you read the account of the Word of God, he actually is going to live for a lot more years. But he thinks he's going to die. It's very important for us to get that. He thinks he's going to die. So he says, you know, before I die, I've got to pass the blessing. I've got to pass the blessing on to the next generation so that God's plan continues. And so he knew, he knew that God said, bless Jacob, but he said, I want to bless Esau. And the reason that he said, I want to bless Esau is because he's my boy, my mighty hunter, my man of the field, my Cabela's man, my Bass Pro man. He's, he's a man's man. He's a hunter. And in fact, you can see hunting is biblical. All right, that's a little bit of a stretch, but nonetheless... Hunting is in the Bible, and so he says, Esau, listen, before I die, I tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to have some of that smoked meat, that venison. Come on, we put away a bunch of meat on Friday and Saturday, didn't we? So good, we served it again the next day. Man, that's awesome. You go home, I mentioned Friday night, you go to a good barbecue uh, restaurant, you know, here in, in Kansas somewhere, and you get that good smoked meat, you know, that's been, that, in fact, by the way, only smoking Baptists ought to do is smoking meat. Smoking meat, you know, and you come away, your fingers are smelling like smoked meat. You picked up them ribs and chowing down on them ribs. Come on, this is too close to lunch to talk like this, isn't it? And, and, but those ribs or that brisket or whatever, and man, you, you come out of there smelling like smoked meat for about a day and a half. I mean, if it was a cologne, I think I'd wear it. That's awesome stuff. I love it. I love smoked meat. Anyways, that's what Isaac said. I want to bless Esau, and so, son, you go get your, uh, your bow and your quiver, etc., and come back and, and make me some meat just like I love. Well, Rebecca saw it on Facebook, but, I, I mean, she, she overheard it, and she said, son, Jacob, come here. Your daddy is off again. We, we, better, we, better, help, we better help God right here. <laughs> Ouch. Somebody has said this, faith is trusting God without scheming. Trusting God without scheming. Now, uh, can I put it on pause right here for just a second? We're talking about a family that's out of tune. How many of you agree that, that our families need to be retuned? Amen. Okay. You know where I see part of the problem with this family is? Is they're never together. If you read, the, read chapter 27... Let me see if I can get this straight here. It was Isaac and Esau, and it was Rebekah and Jacob. And then it was Isaac and who he thought was Esau, but it was really Jacob. And then it was Isaac and Esau. And then it was Isaac and Rebekah, and then it was Isaac and Rebekah talking about how they needed to send Jacob away because Esau was going to kill him. Okay, that family's out of tune. Am I right right there? Right. Family's out of tune. 
And I think families in America are out of tune because we're, we're not spending the time together that we need to spend together. And it, it is a struggle, isn't it? It is a challenge as, as working people and as, as responsible people. It is a challenge. But, but listen, we, we can't give up in that challenge. Uh, hang on, let me, let me back up here before I mention uh, parents and children. Husbands and wives, you've got to have time together. And I mentioned yesterday that you can be married and happy at the same time. Angie, my wife, now of uh, 21 years, she likes to be with me. I don't know why. I like to be with her, and I know why. I, I love being with my wife. But, but how many, let's just be honest. Sometimes it's challenging um, to have time together. It's because responsibilities are pulling you here, responsibilities are pulling you there, and you just don't have the type of time together that you need to have, and you might be out of tune right there. There's danger right there, isn't there? You've got to have time together. So a good application of this message would be date night coming up Friday night. Huh? Amen right there? Get somebody to watch the little people, the kids, right? And you, and you go on a date. Your wife just poked you right now and said, did you hear that? You need time together. Um, parents and children need time together. I'm, I'm so glad that my boys oftentimes have their back up against a pew. I'm glad for that. They, they need their backs against pews. They need their backs against chairs. And, and they need to be taught the Word of God. But you, you, know what, you know what they also need? They need eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball time with Dad. They, they also need to have their back up against a, a deer blind. We doing all right? You like that? They, they, need some, they need some time with dad, or they need some time on the, on, the, on the lake or on the pond just fishing. They need some time because right there is where we're going to be able to talk. Huh? I've got to have time with them. I've got to fight for it. I have to fight for it. It's, it doesn't just come you know, like naturally. I've got to fight for it, but our families are out of tune because everybody's right here. I said, I said everybody's right here. That's a cell phone. Everybody's right here, and, and there they are out to eat, and they're all just still right here. Who are you? That's your dad. That's your mom. Get to know them. and You need interaction. Our families are out of tune because we're not, we're not talking like we need to be talking. It's just making sense right here. We've got to get in tune with God's will because God wants to bless you, and God wants to use you, but the family's got to be together. Come here, son. Your daddy he wants to bless Esau. But we know that you're the one God wants to bless. All right? Um, can I make another little side note here? Anybody got time for a side note? Isaac got out of tune with God's will. Rebecca got out of tune with God's will. She was right, but not in the right way. A wife is out of tune with God's will when she becomes manipulative. A man is out of tune with God's will when he lives by his flesh and lives secretly. Man, I'm saying to you, your wife ought to know what the code is on your phone. She, she ought to be able to at any time pick up your phone and go through anything. If you're living in secrecy, you're in, living in a very dangerous place right there. Yeah. Where were we? Her being manipulative, that's out of God's will. 
It is. It's out of God's will. A loving husband and a respectful wife is God's will. But then here's Jacob. He's out of God's will. And then here's Esau out of God's will. But let me say something to the men again. I know the Amen's conference is supposed to be over and you're thinking maybe it's Sunday and I won't have conviction. But all this started because a man got out of God's will. I mean, I, I believe that, and I'm just going to venture here to say that nearly 90, over 90% of the problems within our society could be traced back. In fact, I'm going to go a little bit higher than just 90%, maybe 95%, maybe even 99% of the problems in America and in American families and in churches is a man problem. Is a man problem. You say, I don't like that kind of preaching, but it's right. It's a man problem. And maybe it got amplified by a wife, and maybe it's more visible because of the feminist movement and all that's going on in our society and the gender confusion. But listen, what happened is this it wasn't the sexual revolution of the 1960s, but it may actually trace back to the industrial revolution of the late 1800s because there was a time when men were working with boys out on the farm. And they had time to talk to their dads. But then things began to change in America. And daddies didn't have time with their sons. And now sons are being raised by women. And women are wonderful. I got here because I had one. A mom in my life that kept me in church. I'm so thankful to God for that. But I'm telling you, if we trace all this back, it may be that daddies and husbands and men got out of where God wanted them to be. And everything is just kind of falling out because of that. Mercy. I believe that's right on, though. It is in the life of Isaac, at least. So Rebecca said, son, we better do something about this. Go get your brother's hunting clothes, get his camo, put it on. And, 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 and Jacob said, but mama, but mama, you know I'm not like Esau. I don't look like Esau, I don't smell like Esau, I don't dress like Esau, I don't have a voice like Esau. I mean, on and on he could go. She said, I got it all figured out. Go kill, a, go kill one of the goats and bring the hair of the goat, and we're going to put that goat on the back of your neck and on the back of your hands. Now, hang on right, right there. If you're so hairy that you're like a goat, you probably need to shave that. I'm just saying. Yeah. Anyways, so that's what he did, though. He put that goat hair there, put that goat hair here, and he came into his daddy, and, and he said, <clears throat> I'm here. And Isaac knew something's up. You read the account. Now, I'm just kind of paraphrasing, obviously, right here. But Isaac says, the voice, that's not, that's Jacob's voice. Come here, my son. Who is it, my son? He says, I'm, I'm, I'm Esau. <laughs> Come here, my son. Felt the back of his hands. Yep, that's Esau right there. <laughs> you check it out. It's in the text. He's still living by his senses. Yeah, that's Esau. I mean, it feels like him. In fact, it even says, he smelled him. Yep, that's Esau. <laughs> I guarantee it right there. That's Esau. <laughs> Jacob, as I counted, lied three times in this text. He said, I'm Esau, and God blessed me, and that's how I got back so quick with this food. Um, I believe it was Abraham Lincoln who said that no one is a good enough, uh, no one's able to be a, a good liar, because you can't remember what you said. Yeah. And those that tell white lies suddenly become colorblind. A lot of people are out of tune with God's will because you're living a deceitful life. 
Lying has become a way of life in America. Lying about taxes, lying about scores, lying about grades, lying at Ivy League schools, lying, 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 lying. Nobody's living the truth. And that's the truth. Lying. Heard about a man that was in court and been in an accident, and the judge asked him, said, um, how high can you uh, lift your arm? And he said, like that right there. He said, how, could you, how high could you lift your arm before the accident? He said, like that. Jacob lied, and he lied, and he lied to get God's blessings. Now, God's going to give him his blessings, but to bless Jacob and to use Jacob, he's going to have to tune Jacob. And it's going to take 20 years. He's going to go on a journey. And our God is so relentless in our life and so loving and so determined about his plan that even if you've been on a journey for 20 years, he still loves you and he's not forgotten what his plan is for your life. And he can still bless you and he can still use you, but he's got to tune you to get you in a place of submission. God's going to do that in Jacob's life. He had to flee the home. He had to flee the home because Esau said, as soon as my daddy dies, I'm killing my brother. He fled the home. Out there in the middle of the desert, on his way to Pandanarim, a ladder came down from heaven to earth. It did not go from earth to heaven. It came from heaven to earth. You say, what's the difference? The difference between religions of the world, and true faith. Because man-made religion is trying to work their way up to God just like at the Tower of Babel. And God will inspect that and shut it down every time. Because it's not what you can do to earn God's favor. It's what Jesus, who is God, did on the cross. And thus it was not man working his way up to God, but it was God who was very God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt among us. And in John chapter 1, he talks to a man named Nathaniel, and he says to Nathaniel, I saw you while you were under the tree. And he said, how is it that you saw me? And how is it, by the way, that you knew my name? He's God. He's God, very God. And, and Jesus said, Nathaniel, uh, you're amazed that, you, that, you, that I knew your name. Hitherto, he says, you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's a tie all the way back to Genesis chapter 28, how that the angels of God were going up and down on the ladder, the, 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 basically the ladder there, to symbolize as God was speaking to Jacob, this fugitive that was out there in the wilderness, this man that had a troubled past and an uncertain future and a very difficult situation here in the present. And he was saying to that man, just like he's saying to you today, I know your name. I know where you are. I know what you've done. And I still care about you. And I want to bless you. And I want to use you. But i got to tune you. And several years later, Jesus is that way. In fact, he's the only way that you and I could be made right with God. And the angels of God were ascending upon him, symbolizing that he and he alone is the way of salvation. Mercy. And you're here today because God knows your name. 
And he knows that you're a sinner. And he knows what his son did for you. The only way you could be saved is to trust what he did rather than what you could do. Because you've broken God's commandments. You ever told a lie? Yes. You ever stolen anything? Well, I'm not going to say it out loud. You ever taken God's name in vain? You ever looked at someone with lust? And what you've committed, confessed to this morning is that you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous adulterer. Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship Baptist Church. Sure glad you came this morning. It's wonderful to have you here. But that's the truth, friend. That's only four of the ten. How are you going to save yourself? There's no way. You can't save yourself. But he came to seek and save that which was lost. Amen. Came to seek and save that which was lost. I asked my youngest son, Trenton, Trenton, you ever broken any of God's commandments? You know what he said? Trevor has. <laughs> Talking about his older brother. Trevor has. But I was thankful for that day there at, um, in Eufaula at a camp when Trenton came up to him and said, Dad, can, I, can you come outside? And I knew God had been working in his heart. And we went outside, and he pointed down to the sidewalk there, and he said, right there, Dad, I... I want, to, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. And so that's what we did. We knelt down on that sidewalk. And right there, friend, listen, right there, he understood he was a sinner. There was nothing he could do to save himself, that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. And he's able to save anybody who call upon him for salvation. And he was gloriously saved that day. Amen. If you have a time and place like that in your life, if your life is going to be in tune with God's will, first of all, you've got to know for sure that you're saved. And when you're saved, then God begins a process tuning your life. Come thou fount of every blessing. He goes on to say, tune my heart, didn't he? Yes. To sing thy praise. Prone to wonder? Yes. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I want to ask you this morning, is your life in tune with God's will? Is your life in tune with God's will? Would you stand here this morning? I appreciate.